Jason Jenkins. I'm here with my usual partner, Alex Z. And we have a special guest today, Noah Marconi, who's our senior blockchain developer. And uh, he's here to discuss some tech. We always like to check in with him. He's got a pulse on what's really going on. And he's up there in Toronto. So Noah, how's it going lately, partner? Are you, uh, you guys warming up up there? Uh, no, we're not actually. It's gotten much worse. We had a giant windstorm yesterday. Uh, so it's Canada, 90 kilometers an hour wind gusts. Uh, knocked, over, uh, knocked over a crane in Scarborough, I think. Transformer fires throughout the city. So it's not quite a disaster zone or anything like that, but I was inconvenienced for a few hours without oh, power. Goodness. Yeah, so we're, we're back to normal now. So I'm, I'm much happier. Uh, other than that, keeping busy up here, there's a lot of work going around, a lot of, um, well, it's a, it's a blockchain city. There's a lot of uh, interesting things happening here. So I'm, yeah, keeping busy, keeping entertained and getting into some interesting tech lately. That's great. <clears throat> well, let's hit on the markets a little bit uh, as we do. Dimitrix, um wasn't feeling well today, so... Um, Alec, did you have some other things you want to hit on after well, we do this? Uh, yeah, let's hit the Bitcoin movement and we can talk to Noah about what uh, what kind of projects are right. interesting. You know, I actually want to talk to, well, let me hit on Bitcoin and we'll talk big picture because there is a pretty big shift here that's going on in markets and we're getting close to some big picture breaking points. Um, we've got to really watch tech. Fang stocks really matter up here from the equity standpoint. If they start to break, you're going to see some capital flows really shift. And then I'll talk a little bit about what I see going on with the dollar. <clears throat> but BTC and Bitcoin, we're still just stuck in this soft patch. Um, we've been talking about it for several weeks now, really, since we made our last lower high just in front of 9,000. And we've basically sold off. Um, this is the eight or ninth day down from some of those levels we actually started to crack back below the eight called eight period moving average on the daily chart. And so we're back to watching this big intraday low of 5870. You have some of the daily closes are right around um, just above 6,000. Our pie lines at 6,000. So it seems like our whole community is waiting and watching. Um, and then at the same time, we've been pretty busy on the short side. Uh, intermediate term and day trade stuff, all just trading futures and some of the international community that has the options of short. A lot of guys are using BitMEX, um, but there's been some short 
short selling opportunities, but that's really it. I mean, we did add to some some longer term positions like Cardano and Salts back at two bucks. Cardano fourteen fifteen cents has been a pretty good buy. Last time we pulled the trigger on that, I mean, we rallied like thirty percent in a couple of days. So that's we're just still kind of sitting and waiting here, big picture. Um, but what I did want to hit on real quick. When we look at the dollar, I think it's important to watch the positioning. I've been trying to do that on the future side with, with Bitcoin as more and more of that data comes in. But you can look through the CFTC um, futures and options positioning at the CBOE. You can keep track of who's long and who's short. Um, and that's a pretty standard thing that you do on the future side and the other markets. And so when I look at the positioning, there's a massive crowded short in bonds. Specifically, the last one I looked was five-year treasuries, just a massive crowded short. The long position on oil is absolutely at all-time record highs. Everybody and their brother is long oil, and everybody's on one side of the ship in that market. And then also, everyone seems to be bearish, negative on the dollar and and you look at the same positioning everyone's short the dollar so i think there's a big chance that the next big global macro move is a is a dollar rally and <clears throat> i'm not exactly sure exactly you know what that's going to do to our market since we haven't been very correlated to global macro but it'll definitely it'll definitely shift um a lot of flows and the and a dollar rally really you know, can affect not only obviously FX, but um, I think the big risk in portfolios is that you could see a dollar rally, um, which which dollar and oil has a very high correlation to each other. So if you get a dollar rally, we see the euro break 121, oil can come off. And if oil rolls over, you're going to have the same type of situation we had in 2014. You're going to have the same situation we had when oil really really came off hard and that can unwind fast especially since everybody's everybody's um long and why that matters um is because oil is a big part of inflation so as inflation would then start to roll back over you could see bond yields actually start to come down again and again everybody's short bonds you can have another squeeze there and so that's what we're really we're, we're really focused on. I, that's kind of been developing the last week or two that I'm starting to get more and more bold up on the dollar. And we'll see how that affects risk markets. I don't I don't think a strong dollar is going to be good for emerging markets. Um, U.S. stocks haven't liked that. And it's it's important to know, too, because S&P's bottomed with with Bitcoin in February and we're back near all those same lows. So if you do see S and P's crack, maybe that means Bitcoin wants to take out 6,000 on a closing basis. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up on our, on our show here today because it is, that is something new and all the markets are connected. And if you do start to see the dollar break out, I think you're going to see some major um, shifts in the market. We've already seen the VIX, is that um, is back in a bull market, so that's causing a lot of di different swings, obviously in the equity markets and, and other things, global macro. Um, but that's kind of it, guys. That's that's what I wanted to talk talk about on the the trading mm -hmm. side. Yeah, and and being in a bear market as we are right now, I think this is the time where 
uh, you, you start you can start evaluating and trying to figure out which of these technologies and projects are going to be are going to have the best upswing when it when it turns to a bull market and yeah. specifically i think the tech plays a big part in this and i'd be interested to see what uh, what you're interested in right now noah i know you keep a barrier to the when heartburn hits around here when it comes to technology i do i'm interested in quite a few actually so uh, people always ask me about the price, the, the price is going down, what's going on, what's going to happen next. And I don't have Jason's background, so I don't talk about it. Uh, I tell them what I do know is the tech is here and it's not going to go away. Some of the players may go away, but the the core technology, it's too practical and too useful to not survive. Uh, so I've been investing uh, in myself as a developer to, to harness and, and make use of it. Uh, but looking at the projects, one interesting thing for me, uh, just to see how the dust settles, is the the projects who do not yet have a mainnet. What's going to happen to them in the future? Uh, will launching the mainnet help turn around the price? Or will launching a mainnet reveal uh, some cracks or, or some deficiencies? Right now, there's a lot of uh, speculative talk about price, but there's this, a lot of speculative talk about technology, certain technology uh, takes different approaches to consensus. Um, that's a great. Approaches. That's ahead. a that's a great point. No, I, that's something I've you know that maybe you should for the uh, for some of our uh, listeners that aren't really familiar to maybe explain what mainnet is because I do see that starting to come up more on the threads and social media. I wasn't even really aware of what that exactly meant, you know, a month or so ago. Um, but that's good. I think that's exactly right. I mean, there's a lot of speculative people saying, hey, you know, there's been so many ICOs. We're going to see who can actually execute. We're going to see who actually is, you know, full of shit and who isn't. But Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're doing on the, the technology side, sitting on the sidelines for some of the investment uh, investments that are happening and just saying, like, um, these people have a good story. Uh, let's see if they have good technology to back that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to answer your question, uh, the difference between a, a test net and a main net, it's, it's the same technology, but when you launch a test net, you launch your core technology, you do a public network, uh, publicly available. So it's not internal in your organization anymore. You're allowing other people to uh, connect to your network or better yet, you're allowing other people to run uh, validators and nodes uh, on your network. But with the testnet, there's no guarantee that the testnet will survive or the data will persist for the long run. The idea is that you're publicly uh, experimenting with your testnet and you want to stress test it and you want third parties, different users, different clients uh, running software on your testnet uh, to, to make sure it's it's robust and will survive um, for the long run. So a lot of software companies will develop new technology and they'll run it internally. They'll get some metrics, confirm it works, and then they'll run a test network saying anyone can sign on, but bear in mind, we could hit the reset button at any time and wipe all your data. So don't really invest money in it. Uh, Experiment with it and try to develop on top of it. But when the mainnet hits, that's the one that, will last and that's the one that will survive Uh, but that's also the one where if somebody's looking to exploit vulnerabilities that's where they'll be exploited Mm -hmm. 
And that's yeah. where really uh, push comes to shove is is when the mainnet is launched and you see uh, real world usage. So Ethereum has a mainnet. Bitcoin uh, was launched ages ago. Uh, that's they really uh, they have a mainnet. Uh, EOS, for example, EOS uh, does not have a mainnet. Uh, they have a testnet that's up and running. Uh, they're they're running the the DPoS validation. Uh, they're scheduled to launch a mainnet. So that that should be a big publicity event. Uh, Technology-wise, uh, I don't have a lot to say about EOS. They're they're definitely taking a, a different approach from Ethereum. Uh, and as a developer, I'd love to kick the tires. It's new. It, it's new and different. You're you're using C to develop, uh, which is a mature industrial strength programming language. Uh, but from a development standpoint, there could also be some vulnerabilities uh, hidden in my code uh, that aren't so readily a- apparent as they are with something I'm more familiar with, uh, which is Solidity. Um, there are other mainnets on the way. Aon uh, currently has their testnet. A-I-O-N. They're, they're Toronto-based, so I talk about them a lot. But they're basically a fork of Ethereum with a number of different things going on. They have an optimized, or, yeah, an optimized Ethereum virtual machine, which means your smart contract should run uh, more efficiently, less gas, and faster. Uh, but they also have this concept of bridges where you can run your Aon smart contract and through a bridge, you can communicate with the Ethereum network, which is incredibly cool. Uh, and it's not just transferring value. So it's, it, it goes a lot further than atomic swaps. You're transferring data and information, uh, state across blockchains, which if it works well, uh, the possibilities are endless. So that's what I'm watching uh, because they're in Toronto. I've been watching uh, long before they, they had their test net up and running, but I'm, I'm very, very excited about that one. They're running a mainnet, you said, no? Only a test net right now. Okay. So they have a conference coming up. So speculation-wise, I would assume you do a big conference with just your uh, a conference for your own blockchain. I assume you'd have some big news coming out. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they have any official announcements except for the test net seems to be going well. They've been stress testing it, stress testing it very hard. Uh, they're getting incredible transaction volume, so more transaction volume than Ethereum. But yeah, no, as far as I know, no official announcement on the main public network. Mm-hmm. No, those are that's that's an interesting technology where where you have all these projects and they're only growing. There's only more and more different blockchains being announced and released pretty much on a weekly or daily basis. And the ability to connect those together is, I think, is a winning, uh, yeah. definitely a winning technology. And so, Noah, that symbol is A-I-O-N, right? I'm just it looking is. at it on the chart now. Yeah, so what they do in the meantime, a lot of companies do this. Uh, EOS did the same thing. They release an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum blockchain. And then they say, when our mainnet is up and running, you can swap those out for our native token on our on our own blockchain. Uh, so Aon today, if you're trading it, you're trading a token on the Ethereum public network, uh, which is tradable um, at a later date when the Aon network is uh, is up and running. That makes sense. That's smart. It's been set a pretty good range. I mean, I'm just looking at it's kind of been in a downtrend but it's had some nice moves i mean it's gone from a dollar 80 to 350 back to two bucks back to three bucks back down to i think you're at a dollar 87 now um well that's good that's one i didn't i haven't traded before so 
definitely going to be putting it on the watch list. Alec, have you done anything with that name? I haven't, actually. It's the first time I've really taken a look at it was when Noah brought it up recently. Yes, yeah, selfishly, I'd love to have you watch it because um, I'm not actively trading it. I own some, so I'd love to get your take as it goes up and down what it actually means from a trader's perspective. Yeah, for sure. We, <clears throat> we'll we put some signals out on that one. You know, EOS, uh, that was one of the strongest looking tokens I've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. It's like I know some people are kind of, you don't want to go back and forth about the, the team or you know, they have different opinions about, you know, that blockchain versus Ethereum, et cetera. But the chart's been one of the strongest there is. I mean, the, our last buy signal, we just we just took some off and issued a sell signal today. I mean, it's up 10% to the last week or so. So that chart looks strong. Um, so that's interesting. Maybe we'll have to take a look and see when that, like you said, no, that mainnet announcement is. It's Maybe maybe that it'll rally into that announcement and kind of buy the rumor, sell the news. Right. Yeah, and I was giving someone advice on that one recently. They asked, well, we're, we're doing a startup. Should we build it on top of EOS? And my answer was there's risk, obviously, with anything, but there's a risk in using Ethereum as well. But what EOS does is two major things differently uh, from Ethereum. There's more, but the, the two that stand out uh, for practical purposes for me are their consensus algorithm is different. Uh, they use delegated proof of stake, which means they don't have the the lag associated with using proof of work. So Bitcoin and Ethereum are currently using proof of work. Uh, they have miners. They have to solve the riddle, uh, solve the puzzle, um, and mm. then they can issue a new block. Uh, you don't have that problem when you're doing delegated proof of stake. So EOS can do faster transactions uh, just because there's no proof of work to worry about. So on the consensus side, they're doing something different and they're receiving criticism and they're receiving, um, you know, some people are in agreement that it's a good approach. Lisk uses the same approach. Uh, so they're not on their own out there. But the other major thing they do different is they have their own virtual machine. So when you're running code on EOS, you're, you're, you're not running code on an Ethereum virtual machine. It's, it's, it's a completely different platform and the developer environment is different. Uh, but the interesting thing is there are tons of C++ developers out there today. Uh, it's an industrial strength programming language. It's what industry uses. Java is another one, but yeah, go ahead. That's what Lisp runs off of too, right? No. Um, Lisp, I think they're using JavaScript. Oh, okay. Yeah, which again, there are tons of developers out there. And what I believe is whoever wins developer mindshare will win or will survive at the very least. It happened with cell phones. BlackBerry was the dominant player when it come, came to smartphones, mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't have developer mindshare in the way that Apple gained developer mindshare. Uh, so Apple dominated. They had app stores. Uh, you could very easily uh, develop a new Apple application. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of blockchain projects are actually competing on a new consensus algorithm for speed and throughput, uh, but they're also competing for developer mindshare. And Lisk is trying to get a developer mindshare through JavaScript, which is one massive developer community. Uh, and EOS is, is going the C++ route. Uh, 
Ethereum, on the other hand, they were first and they curated their developer community, but they created a new programming language. Mm -hmm. So you can't go to um, a software development shop uh, and find existing Solidity developers. Um, you can only go to the blockchain arena, which is a niche arena, to find Solidity developers. Um, EOS may have made a very smart move in doing that. Uh, Aeon, on the other hand, is borrowing developer mindshare. They're just, they will support the same programming language that Ethereum supports. Uh, so for free, they get access to the Ethereum developer community. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting to see them compete in different areas. Yeah, and that's going <clears> to, <throat> I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you want to see who's going to be the dominant players long term. Is That's got to be a big part of it, you know? Oh, for that's, sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you've worked on Solidity for a long time, but you know, if we want mass adoption, it would take so long for everybody to learn that entirely, you know, new language. Yeah, and there are arguments for using Solidity. Um, it is designed for writing smart contracts, uh, and there are security considerations that uh, they, they kind of built into it. Um, but at the same time, they wanted it to be easy for people to learn. And whenever you hear the, somebody say that about a programming language, there's usually security flaws around ease of use. Uh, but it, they made it similar to JavaScript in some of the, some of the uh, uh, syntax. Uh, in my opinion, it's more like C, uh, C or Java than JavaScript because it's a strongly typed language. Mm -hmm. But the general idea is it's, it's a new language. You need people to learn it, however familiar it may be. Oh, that's that's great stuff. I'm looking up Lisk right now. That was one we had on our watch list too. Um, just bring it up. Yeah, it's funny. We both have our watch lists, watch list, but for different purposes. I I have them on my watch list for when when they're ready for prime time. I want to try developing an app on them, uh, just to see what the experience is like. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to ask you that too. Have you worked on Lisk then, or so that no? I. I Last I checked, which to be fair, it's been a little while, but last I checked, they weren't ready for, for prime time. Um, but they, they do have some things on the roadmap that okay. you, you hear buzz in social media that the community is getting excited about. So once it's ready, once it's launched, uh, there's some SDKs as well. I heard them talking about uh, once all of that comes out, I'll definitely kick the tires. As a developer, the blockchain is niche. But if you can develop on multiple blockchains, it makes you a hot commodity. Yeah, I can see that. Well, the other one I want to ask you about, Lisk was 0x. Lisk looks like it's still, you said, not ready for prime time as far as application standpoint. The chart's the same thing. It's still just making lower highs. It hasn't turned the corner. So it's similar to the rest of the market. I think the level to watch on Lisk is like 160,000 sats. So... Um, it's not quite ready to turn the corner either. But the other one that we've had a lot of interest, Noah, in is, is a newer position that we're looking to start at 0x. Have you have you been trading that one? Or I know you've, you've worked on that one a lot if you want to. Uh, yeah, so not trading. I, I Yeah, I'm waiting for... I'm waiting for some things to to settle before I start trading a little more actively. Um, and, and it's the project uh, we'll talk about later, Rhythm. Um, if it's easier for me to take your advice, Jason, uh, then I'll trade more actively. But right now, I'm, I'm 
quite passive. Mm-hmm. But on a, from a technology standpoint, Zero X is awesome. They've released a protocol to make it easy to trade tokens in a standardized way, in a trustless manner uh, on the Ethereum blockchain. But in releasing a protocol instead of an app or a full-blown application, uh, what they've set themselves up for is third-party adoption. They don't want to run exchanges. They don't want to uh, make it, they don't want to be the place consumers go to trade tokens between each other. They want to be the protocol that developers use mm-hmm. to create applications for people to exchange tokens. So they're, they've done quite well so far in, in gaining interest from development teams. There's multiple exchanges. Radar Relay is one that uses 0x uh, for for token exchanges in a decentralized way. I don't know if they have the volume yet to offer the kind of liquidity that you'd want to see, uh, but they have a they have a platform, it's up and running and it's using 0x. I've even heard in Toronto, there's a company, uh, they're gonna hate me for messing up their name. It's Lendified or Lendfield. Uh, it's, a, it's something in the lending space. You'll see their logo on the 0x site. Mm. Uh, they're offering margin in a decentralized capacity for uh, ERC-20 tokens, which is incredibly cool. And that's yeah. supported by 0x. So the it's a simple protocol, but what it allows you to do is a whole host of activities. Uh, so they, they've done well in creating something general purpose that a lot of people can use for trading. And they've done an even better job of making it easy for developers to adopt. Uh, so again, from a technology standpoint, they'll be around. Uh, they have been around. They're actually incredibly active in the community. Any conference or hackathon I go to, they have okay. a presence. They're sponsoring prizes, and they're they're chatting it up with developers and and getting uh, getting into uh, what people are building. Now, are they what are what are the uses of their token? I mean, it's trading at sixty one cents right now. If you want to price versus tether, it's had a Great move. I mean, it was basing around 20 cents and then exploded. Went 10x. I think it topped out around, looks like, basically a 240 in January with the rest of the market. And now it's all the way back to 60 cents. But I think that's one that there's huge opportunity in for sure. And when this market turns, that's when I think it'll be the major winners. I was just curious what, you know, what what kind of use cases are, is it a utility token when you use 0x or? It is. So that's what they they set out to issue is a utility token. And I'm not a lawyer, so I can't evaluate. But even when they issued their token, they were very clear, if you're in this to make money, this is not the token for you. Um, and I don't know if that's for the lawyers or if that's real, but the use case for the token is fees. So if I set up a decentralized exchange and I use the Zero X protocol to do the exchanges, I can charge people fees and I can actually use the protocol to do that. Uh, and and zero x tokens are are how fees are are handled. There's some really cool things about the protocol. Also, um, it seems weird to say you're going to trade two tokens on my exchange, and I need you to find this other token in order to do so mm-hmm. uh, for the privilege of of trading on my exchange. Um, but the protocol allows you to do multiple token swaps in one transaction. So you can abstract away, even though you're charging fees in 0x tokens, your user never needs to feel the pain of acquiring 0x tokens. Um, they can execute the trade and off of the trade, uh, there can be a, a token, a third token swap that takes place uh, to, to trade the, 
either the maker, taker, whatever token currency they were using, uh, mm -hmm. trade a sliver of that for zero X, and that's what gets held back as as a fee. In addition to that, they also wrote a new blog post recently talking about governance. Uh, the protocol is a protocol, uh, but it's not set in stone. They do have a plan to make it better over time. And stakeholders uh, should be the ones guiding what happens next. Uh, so they'll, they'll be using their token in some capacity there to make decisions about uh, future protocol upgrades, which is interesting. They've done a great job of gaining stakeholders, and now they've made it in stakeholders' best interest to hold some tokens. Sure. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> Alec, did you have anything to add on that? I mean, that Xerox is just what they're trying to do is just, it's fantastic. And what we want to do with rhythm and our, our exchange and our trading platform that we're building, obviously, you know, Noah, you were, you were right up with, you were up, up on them right from the beginning and wanting to use them. But um, Alec, did you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Explain I, I, on that? I can't really add too much more to what Noel already said about on the technology standpoint, but I think like a bear market like this really, you can kind of take the time and really think about how you want to improve your investment and trading strategy and style. I think you really, you know, take the time, educate yourself on all these different technologies and markets, you know, kind of rethink your portfolio allocation or everything, how, how you really want to start going forward. And I think talking about the tech and what projects out there are actually aiming for adoption and not just hype. I think it's, yeah. I think it's very, very valuable conversations. Yeah. And what, and what the community feels is valuable and what the community is using. And that's why, I mean, Noah, you're always so valuable kind of getting the insight on where everybody's kind of moving towards and what, what's working and what's on the horizon. Do you want to talk Noah a little bit about rhythm then guys? I think, that I mean, I, I think it. I think it seg segues really well from talking to zero X because we'll actually be leveraging zero X, right? Yeah, we we will be, and and it's it's incredibly cool. What I like about it is zero X talked about being a protocol for decentralized exchanges. They they were tackling liquidity and trustlessness in in their white paper. But our use case is uh, mature financial services. It's a brokerage house, if you had to give it a, a quick, simple analogy. Uh, but it's technology-fueled and it's decentralized. You don't have to trust us with your money uh, because we won't have access to it. What you can do is use the ZeroX protocol to indicate uh, under what conditions you're willing to trade something. And the smart contracts enforce that those conditions are met or the trade doesn't take place. Uh, so I really like I really like our use case of the technology because I think it's starting to step outside of what they were thinking, uh, and it's it's a testament to how general purpose they made this protocol. Um, Lendroid is the other company. Lendroid is is the one doing uh, margin. They're mm -hmm. offering margin loans on top of a, a decentralized protocol. Uh, we're offering a brokerage house uh, or brokerage uh, trading services on top of a decentralized protocol. And uh, what what really gets interesting, again, there's tons of interesting angles on this thing. Um, when you get into financial services, now you're offering services. It's not just technology you're throwing out there. So there could be, depending on what you're offering, some regulatory considerations you need to think about or talk about or worse, implement. Uh, and this protocol lets you do that. 
so if we did have restrictions where uh, we can only offer these trading signals to uh, people who are registered on the platform, uh, we could have a whitelist uh, for certain things. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, you can you can the general idea is you can you can be compliant with AML, uh, you can be compliant with KYC uh, requirements, uh, and use these decentralized protocols, uh, and. Basically, what that gives you is all of the benefits that you used to have uh, in the traditional financial sector of working with people who know the industry and people who are above board and following the rules they need to follow. Uh, so you, you get that assurance, but at the same time, because of the technology choice on the platform, you get transparency and auditability. You can see that they didn't pull a fast one on you. You said to do this trade and you can watch the trade happen on the public blockchain. Mm-hmm. And they can never take your funds, uh, which is which is not something that the the existing financial sector has. E- even today, there's still horror stories of uh, some money manager running off with uh, someone else's retirement fund. Zero uh, X means that we can't uh, we can't touch your funds. Uh, you, we can only give you the trade that you wanted to have, which I think is it's super cool from a, a technology standpoint. But from a, a service standpoint, uh, just removing that possibility, we're saying you don't have to trust us. And that's one of the incredible things about working with the software. Yeah. And that is, and that is again, it gets back to our whole vision with Rhythm. You know, you're going to have this, you're going to have a whole crossroad of the old financial services and doing it better. So not just saying, Hey, here's a, here's a software package. Here's access to buying and selling. We have low commissions, but actually making calls on the market, having a process and a model, having a timing process, you know, being able to help people actually. And so few financial service companies have a timing process. So that was, that was what really started, you know, the vision for what, what we were going to do both at Jenkins RM and then obviously here at block edge and, and with the rhythm platform. But then we saw the same need that you've been explaining for on the technology side is we can, we can totally change um, the old third party custodial model. And I talked about that a little bit in the last show. No, we were talking about MF global and what a <clears throat> disaster and just a tragedy that was. I mean, CEO is basically—I don't know for sure if you're familiar—but he was off trading mm-hmm. in the different repo markets, and he was basically taking the customer funds, leveraging it up. He was—he uh, was trading Greek bonds, and he just completely blew up. Um, the guy—I don't even think he ever went to jail. I'd have to go back and look. It's just out of control. But so much of that happens, and some of it's malicious. Some of it is—is that—is not where you just don't know the other part. Uh, the other counterparty that you're trading with, if they're if they're solvent, and all those issues really come about when you know you have a recession. That's when the bad things tend to happen. You know, liquidity dries up, and you get to see who's really, especially in finance, you get to see who's really, um, you know, has their risk managed correctly, and who's got what on their books. And, right. And so that, the technology that'll be amazing that. You know, I I do kind of think to myself, well, you know, the average person or somebody like my folks, you know, they're not, they're gonna, they might, <laughs> at the end of the day, hey, can you still set up a wallet for me and you got you guys handle it because, 
you know, I, I like the fact that you can go in and do the trade for me, but I'm still going to need help, uh, you know, setting up a, a ledger nano because I'm just as likely to lose it as some hacker taking it from third party. I don't know. Right. And there's opportunity there as well. So I don't know that we're offering anything incredible around custody just yet, but in the future, uh, even if you get into that territory, the blockchain being a publicly available ledger, um, that funny business can't happen. We can't take the money uh, if you're offering custodial services. Uh, you can't move the money without it being publicly uh, yeah. visible that you moved it. And then all the red flags go off. Yeah. Uh, with these other schemes you're talking about, people are, they've been doing it for ages. It's just when the recession hits, it comes to light what they were doing. A couple margin calls reveals that, hey, the money's gone. Um, so even even when you're not doing something in a decentralized sense, the blockchain offers transparency, which is cool. Uh, I wanted to point out too, from a consumer perspective, I do follow your trading signals, but I don't have the discipline to actively act on them. So what I'm really looking forward to is the, the ease of use that goes along with it as well. So if you're issuing signals and we've hooked those signals into software where I can just click and say, yes, Jason gave good advice today. I'd like to follow it. Um, that also allows somebody who who gets it. Like, I understand what you're saying. I just don't have the time to put it into practice. Mm -hmm. It removes the time commitment. I can understand what you're saying. And you say, this is a, a good move right now. Look at what's happening in the cycle. And I just need to click a button saying, I agree with Jason. And I'd actually like to take advantage of that with my account. Uh, that's yeah. something pretty cool that I'm personally looking forward to. I love technology that benefits me uh you get these other people doing altruistic things but um this tech can actually make my this can make me an active trader which i, I think would be pretty right. cool yeah that's true because <clears throat> not everybody's sitting in front of their computer you know wants to trade full time so that's you're absolutely right that's a big part of what we want to do with the rhythm yeah let the pros do that and let me sit back and benefit from what the pros are doing yeah yeah that's exciting well, for you know some of our newer listeners, um, you might be wondering what the heck are they talking about this rhythm, this or that. And uh, if you go to um, rhythm.network, that's our ICO that we're in the process of doing. We're actually trying to take um, raise some money on the private side right now. So, anyhow, if, for those that are interested in um, what it is we're building out, that's the best way to kind of get a feel for. Um, everything we'd like to do with that project and what we'll be doing in conjunction with our asset management firm, which is um, blockedgecapital.com. Um, but yeah, you guys read the white paper, you know, um, you can see Noah, Noah and get a nice picture of Noah and see who you're listening to today. He's on the website down there along with their other advisors. Uh, Alex, what else? No, not much. I think we've hit we've hit rhythm so many times. Do you want to just list off some majors? Let's get some uh, more trading talk in this podcast. I think I think the biggest thing right now. I've been sending out levels. Of, there's <clears throat> across the majors. If we talk about the majors, maybe the top twenty. Yeah. Some of these some of these um, big picture levels are broken, and some of them haven't. Um, a couple that we're really watching is Litecoin down at a hundred. Um, Ethereum's big area was 430 to 450, which broke. So we actually took some risk off there and it's kind of in wait and see mode. Um, 
So we're at big picture levels. It's going to matter where we close this week. Again, 6,000 on BTC matters on a closing basis. Um, I said the 100 level on Litecoin. Um, we, we have been playing EOS. That actually has some pretty good momentum. Um, Monero we were looking at today, which, again, it hasn't. So when I talk about these big picture levels for the 350 or, yeah, 350 area, um, sorry, the 450 area on Ethereum, that was the February lows it broke. Uh, Monero's February lows didn't break. And again, that's, that's the low that Bitcoin made on the 6th of February. So there's, there's still several markets that are trading above that long-term tail line, which keeps the long-term bull market in place. And then there's some of these, some of these major coins have actually started to break down, um, and it's just time's going to tell whether or not we're going to we're going to hold these areas. So here we are in April, got a lot of month left to have a monthly close below the February lows. But we definitely we need to watch these areas on the weekly basis. So we're telling our guys, you just be patient. Most of the opportunity has been on the short side. Um, but again, you don't want to get caught too aggressive short at a big picture major low. So there's a lot of smaller trading going on right now we're waiting to see some confirmation i'd like to see a rally off these off 6000 and give us an actual bullish event like a bottoming tail or bullish engulfing different setups that actually where i can look at the chart and say all right there's some real money coming in here now price is starting to prove itself um, but unfortunately we're just kind of in this hurry up and wait um, market mode That's kind of all I really, really had guys to touch on. Yeah. And if you want to keep up to date with, uh, with market moves and you want to hear what we're talking about in the chat room, just go to JenkinsRM.com and you can sign up for our free chat room. Come, uh, come join the conversation. Yep. That's the easiest. And, uh, you know, Noah's in there, you know, no, I don't know if there's other ways for people to get in touch with you. You'd mentioned maybe Twitter or maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, that's the easiest way. Um, what else? Um, LinkedIn, Noah Marconi. Sounds good. I tend to accept connection requests a little too readily, but on a lag. Yeah, it's good for good for networking. So yeah, Noah Marconi. Uh, if my name's on the on the podcast, there, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on GitHub as well, but I don't know if you can reach me through there. Uh, and definitely on the the Jenkins risk management chat. I, um, I get email notifications if somebody sends me a message there. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, be sure to check out the distributedpost.com. Uh, if you guys want any sort of news updates, op-eds, analysis, pretty much anything is going to be on the distributed post. We're still looking for contributors. So, you know, just go to the distributedpost.com. Yeah, no, we got to get, no, have you, have you written anything on there? I have not. But I'd really like to. I'm I'm looking at my schedule in the coming weeks to see if I can free up some time. Uh, it's awesome what you guys have already done. So, uh, me joining in and having some content up there, it'd be, yeah, it'd be awesome for me. And uh, like we were talking about before the call, there's some really cool uh, low-level technology things. So I don't know if they have teams around them, uh, but there's a lot of uh, techie subjects I'd love to dive into. Yeah, yeah, you'd be great on there. You're the man when it comes to that. All right, guys, well, great episode. Noah, thanks for coming on, partner. And uh, we'll catch you guys back here next week. 
Great. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for having me. Always good chatting with you guys. Absolutely, buddy. Now.